All right, we are finally live with a brand new episode of the Xbox Two podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Randall Thor 19, man with a million. Or you know what? Actually, someone today said that the whole catchphrase is cringy and I should drop it. So I'm going to ask my uh, co-host here, Jez Corden of Windows Central. Uh, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm the man without a million. You're the man so without I, a million, I, but almost I'm gonna, man. I'm, I'm going to start saying I'm the man without a million. But you're almost the man with 100,000, though. I've got 100,000 now, man. Oh, congrats. Congrats to me. It only took, what, 12 years or something? Yeah, it only, it only took a little bit of time. But uh, I got to say, though, Jez, getting back to my intro, is the intro that I do from my normal videos, is it cringy? When I call myself the man with the million, considering I don't really go after gamer score that hard at much anymore. So I just drop that from the intro and just be like, Hey guys, it's Rand with another video. Get rid of the whole thing. Or what do you think? F the haters, man. Oh, the haters, huh? Stick it, stick it, keep it, man. Like everyone, every YouTuber has their little thing that they do at the start of the video. Yeah, right. that's true. What, what, is, what does that boogie guy say? Coming uh, to you live from the power of the interwebs. And I remember him because of his weird catchphrase. So, you know, stick with it, man. Yeah, maybe I'll stick with it. Maybe maybe I'll throw it in here and there. Maybe I don't have to do it every single video. But, uh, you know, it was just something I think someone uh, like mentioned it during the TXR podcast, and it kind of just stuck ever since then. Um, but, yeah, I just wanted to kind of bring that up. But uh, how you doing? How's uh, how's your week been covering GDC, pumping out those articles for Windows Central, dropping leaks like you did earlier today? I did indeed. We had a nice one today. Got the box art for the all digital console, um, and also some information, more information about what it is. I suppose we'll talk a bit more about that later. But that was fun. Um, other than that, yeah, pretty much just been working it's pretty busy because i'm in the uk visiting family so in around work and visiting family and all that stuff not a huge amount of time for gaming but i have been playing you know sub games what have you been up to man well i have been obviously making videos it's uh there's a lot to talk about this week um i have i have actually watched a couple movies the last couple nights um been playing division two which we'll talk about in the games played segment but so, I mentioned before, I got an LG OLED, right? One of, the, one of the best purchases I've ever made, thanks to Dealer Gaming, thanks to Lethal Papa, and a whole bunch of other people who pushed me into making that purchase because, my God, do the games look so good on that TV, Jazz. I swear. It made the Xbox One feel new again, seeing these games in HDR. Oh, my God, Division 2 looks great, even if it is, like, the low lower than PC settings or whatever Digital Foundry says. Still looks damn good, right? So I watched Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, I think it's called. Um, And oh my God. On that TV in HDR, man, God, what a thrill, man. Like, not only did the movie look amazing, but the colors... Uh, the animation, the movie was just phenomenal, you know, just the story. But Jesus, man, I sat there and I was just like, wow. So I don't, I don't really watch that many movies, especially on this TV. So usually because the Comcast box is hooked up to the one upstairs. Uh, but this one I rented through 
Xbox and they had like the UHD like the whole download thing and I was I was blown away by the movie. Uh and I was it was like damn. And then I watched Triple Frontier on Netflix yes- yesterday, which is a new Ben Affleck movie, which was all right. Um and Marcus Miserac wants to know if I have burning yet. No, uh no burning on the OLED. I I don't really keep it on a static image for very long. I don't watch like CNN and stuff like that. I play a different variety of games. Um, so, I mean, you do that, you're pretty much not going to get burned in. I mean, unless you're playing FIFA 24-7 or Overwatch or whatever, like burning uh, is kind of a thing that you kind of let happen, I guess. It's not permanent though either, is it? The no, it's if you get it, it's permanent unless you like fix the panel. It? Yeah, like, like real bad burning. I think Art Artings they did like some tests like with it and yeah it's 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 pretty noticeable but as long as you pretty much play different content all the time and don't leave your TV on twenty four seven with like static HUDs it's not an issue. So Dang. I know I have the I have the B eight Harvinder but yeah God I, I I love the TV and I need to start watching more movies on here because it's because it's absolutely amazing. So I know that's a little jealous because you said you couldn't fit that kind of TV in your room right now. I'm sorry. Yeah, I I physically can't. You know, I need to. I'm going to move out this year probably. Me and my girlfriend will get our own place, and then then I'll probably explore the OLED. But by by then, I probably have spent all all my spare cash on furniture and stuff, so I probably won't be able to afford an OLED. Yeah, it's cash twenty two, man. It's cash twenty two. Live 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 at home, then you got loads of money. But if you move out, you got no money. So, <laughs> but then you got no space. So GG. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So um, yeah, so everybody's uh, filing in here. If you uh, would be so kind to hit the like button and hit that share button, share the podcast out so more people can uh, you know find the show. Uh, we'd appreciate it. And uh, hi to everybody listening to this later on Google Podcast or Google Play, uh, iTunes. I always screw it up somehow, some way. It's Google Podcast. I don't know. Either way. Um, yeah, so uh, let's get into what we've been playing. It's probably going to be pretty short, uh, but what have you been up to, Jez? Well, I'm still getting through the division. It's been really busy, so I haven't like gotten as far into it as I'd like to. Um, I'm about, about two-thirds or maybe three-quarters of the way through the main story missions right now. Still loving it. The loot system is great, and I'm starting to feel that sort of loot addiction now. I've started getting mods on my skills to lower their cooldowns and increase their damage and stuff. Like I kind of felt like when you start out with the game, that the skills are kind of really weak and almost useless. But like when you start getting the first set pieces, and it's like you know this uh, set bonus lowers the uh, cooldown by twenty percent, or this this um increases the damage by 20% and so on and so forth, you get to that point where it's like you start to feel your character growing. It feels like the whole game has been set up to complement the end game and the gear grind and stuff like that. And the sense of progressing your character doesn't really come in until further into the game. But I'm loving it so far, man. I'm loving it. Have you been playing it as well? Uh, Division 2? Yes. Yeah, I have put in, I would say, around 35, 36 hours. I hit level 30 on the character. I beat the game. I'm in world tier one. And I got to say, they really did concentrate on the end game because it's really not over after you finish the campaign. There's like a whole new faction that shows up with different types of enemies that do different types of thing. And it's just kind of a... No spoilers. 
yeah, it's just like a progressing thing. You go to world tier one and then world tier two, three, four. And I'm really impressed with what they did. Like they've made division two a better game than division one ever was. Now, some of the complaints I had last time we spoke was I felt, I felt it was too easy up to a certain point around level 16, 17, it did start getting harder and you had to do more, uh, like you had to be cautious of what was going on because enemies started to, to flank you more and they started to be a little bit more harder. And that's when the game became really enjoyable for me and my co-op partners. Cause in the beginning it was kind of like, there's really not much of a challenge. You're just kind of going into a room and shooting. All right. Rinse and repeat going to the next room. But like they change things up towards the end and it gets a little bit harder. So it became more enjoyable. But the one thing I will have to say, the mission structures, where you go in Washington, D.C., like the Air and Space Museum, oh, yeah. uh, some of those levels are absolutely fantastic. Like the visual set pieces they do, absolutely great. I tell you what I, I couldn't believe was um, I think it's a space administration. It's some space museum anyway. And you go into a, a planetarium. And it's like a real planetarium. Yeah, yeah, that's you really doing cool. This, you're doing this gun battle in the planetarium dome while while the Earth, the video of the Earth 3D is playing above you, and and all the you know the space stuff is popping up above. And it's like, man, they really managed to get a lot of creativity out of real life, I guess. Which is like sometimes it's kind of the real world setting can be a bit flat because there's no zombies there's no dragons there's no magic and stuff like that so i mean there's like they're kind of restricted with what they can do there where there's no sci-fi elements and stuff like that but the the amount of creativity and the attention to detail like like in the space museum you can actually just you can read the plaques in the exhibits like if you, (laughs) you can you can literally tour the space museum as if it was the real space museum and I was like, man, I'm trying to play a game here, and they're trying to educate me about the Mars rover and stuff like that. Yeah, there's just, there's details everywhere, man. Like you could get lost if you just kind of uh, look at all the uh, like the like you said, like the the inscriptions, the mon- like there's things everywhere. Like that's one of the things I I love the Washington DC DC setting in this game. I think it makes uh like I was kind of worried that DC wouldn't be as good as New York because I thought they nailed it. But then playing this and I'm like, no, nah, I honestly think Washington DC was a better choice. Yeah. Like there's so many cool visual moments here and cool places to explore. And I'm actually kind of getting into the end game. Like, honestly, like if it was something like, destiny i played the campaign and i didn't care like yeah i would get my power level up because i wanted to do a raid but then after that like i didn't care this one i'm i'm in world tier one i'm you know like gonna progress the world world tier two and tier three i want to get everything done i want to be ready for when the raid hits like i'm just currently i'm really just enjoying it Um, i know that'll end at some point because other games will be coming out but uh i'm really impressed by what they did here yeah i agree i'm uh i'm Excited to get to your level. I'm still like level 18-ish now, I think. Yeah, well, once you hit level 30 and after you beat the game, that's when you unlock the gear score. You you uh, go to tier the world tier one, and then it's all about obviously finding uh, better gear yeah, uh, sure. with that gear score with the set bonuses and stuff. And then once you beat world tier one, uh, you move into world tier two, which is the same thing with harder enemies that drop better loot 
and then you get to world tier three and then world tier four. So you want to get your gear score up to like 460. And yeah, uh, yeah it's so far, it's really cool. Like, uh, we'll, we'll, I won't I, look, I won't, I ain't going to play like division two super long. Uh, but I want to, I want to at least play the raid and we'll see where I go from there. But we got tons of games coming out because I just got a review copy today for Sekiro. Shadows Die Twice. Nice. Um, a game which I was like, should I play? Should I not play? I know people have been asking me to play Bloodborne, which I promise I will do. And I still have to do The Last Guardian. Uh, you know, Devil May Cry 5 kind of got put on the back burner because I was addicted to Apex Legends, which I haven't played in like a week. Um, so yeah, I'll be playing Sekiro. Shadows Die Twice, and I have no idea what I'm in for. I've been seeing some of the reviews, and people are like, dude, it's harder than Dark Souls. It's the hardest game ever made of all time. And I'm just like, man. Seriously, I, like, I, I, <laughs> I, think, I think we're under embargo, but um, some of the Dark Souls experts in my, on my team, uh, so, you know, they're, they're, they're veterans of Dark Souls. They've played all the Souls games, Bloodborne, and, and even Demon Souls and stuff like that. And uh, they're finding it tough, so uh, I don't think this is going to be for me. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe not having any experience in Dark Souls and Bloodborne helps because apparently it plays a lot differently. You need to block and parry. There's no like farming in the game. It's yeah, right. I just need to progress. There's no character building. Like you can, more about you, finesse. Than... Yeah, so maybe it's more of a game that I would enjoy. So I'm going to play it. Hopefully, I can beat it. I want to beat it because. I don't want people to say, oh, get good, Ran, you know? Uh, so I'm looking forward to checking that out. And um, yeah, I mean, that's like it. There's like Sekiro's like the last big game for about a month. And then a month from now, we have Rage, no, not Rage 2, uh, Mortal Kombat 11 and Days Gone. So nice. we got a lot of time. I'm going to get through Sekiro, get through Last Garden, Last Guardian, go back to play Devil May Cry 5. Metro, hopefully. Oh, so many games. I, I, I barely have any time uh, to play the ones I want. But yeah, uh, I started I started Metro over on Ranger Hardcore, and I just haven't had time to go back to it yet. Um, yeah. And then, like, um, uh, I've been getting into Fire Emblem as well. And you've been playing is... Pokemon, which nobody cares about. Who cares about Pokemon? Millions. Millions I know, of people million care about Pokemon. People. You know, I will say the movie lo- does look pretty cool, though. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds, right? For, yes. For yes. It, yeah, it's, it seems like they're they're gonna have like a lot of tongue in cheek humor in that movie, like not taking itself itself too seriously. I, I'm quite looking forward to the movie, but I don't know. There's just loads of loads of games coming up that I'm pretty excited about. Yeah, and it just is like finally we're out of the boring period with Crackdown three and uh, and Far Cry New Dawn. Man, those two games back to back. They like they suck the energy from me, dude. And you know what? Let's let's jump jump right into a topic since I mentioned Crackdown Three. What happened to that game, Je- Jez? What happened to that game on the MPD listing? Like, not in the top twenty, not an Xbox only top ten. When State of Decay and Sea of Thieves and Forza all charted, hell, State of Decay was number one, and people didn't believe it. Remember, people were like, "MPD's lying." There's no way State of Decay was number one. They're lying. Crackdown 3, nowhere to be found. 
what happened to this game? Did like nobody just care, or did literally everybody who wanted to play the game not buy it and play it through Game Pass? Like, what's the story on this? Well, you know, if you look at if you look at some metrics like uh, achievements unlocked and things like that, it seems that like a fair a fair amount of people did play the game comparatively. But like you say, I think the there was such a high profile amount of negativity and a lot of sort of commentary around game pass with regards to this like is this ultimate game pass game you know like you shouldn't buy this you should get it in game pass like pretty much every review said that like the only saving grace of crackdown is that it's in game pass i think it's pretty fair to assume that nobody bought it and everyone winning on game pass you know i think even people who enjoy the game probably got it in game pass because why wouldn't you you know it's not like it's not like a game that you're gonna you're gonna pay sixty dollars for or fifty dollars or whatever it is in America and and then play on forever and ever. I mean, picking it up for ten dollars, completing it in a month, and then putting it down, that's probably that's a far smarter purchase decision in my it makes it does make sense why Microsoft didn't advertise this game, right? They had to have known what they had on their hands. They must have yeah. known nobody was gonna buy the game after the wrecking zone was fully unveiled. You know, those three maps, the two modes, <laughs> like, and, and you know what, to put it even to more perspective, we talked about this before the show Epic during their uh, GDC talk yesterday. And trust me guys, we're going to get into the Epic versus steam store exclusive battle a little bit later on, because that has like huge uh, ramifications, but they showed off a demo for something called Chaos, which is a uh, Epic Unreal Engine's new physics-based destruction uh, technology, yeah. and that is done by CloudGen, correct? I don't know, but it looks pretty familiar, right? It does look familiar. So I was looking at that, and I'm like, man, they really outdid the tech in in in, in Crackdown Three. But then I thought, wait a minute, are Aren't these the guys that Epic stole to get them to work on that stuff? Is that supposed to be what Crackdown 3 was supposed to be? <laughs> uh, it's, it's hard to tell. You know, there, there's so many rumors I've heard about the development of Crackdown. And, you know, we've talked about it and done it to death at this point. But I know that CloudGen, they built the Destruction Engine. They went to Epic to work on Fortnite and stuff like that. And then a lot of the work CloudGen had done had to be redone for um, Crackdown 3. So, like, you can't... You just don't know. You just don't know the full story. Maybe we'll never know. But, yeah, it, it does make you feel kind of sad. Like, maybe this is why we could have had, you know? It really would make an interesting book or an interesting chapter in the book, something like Jason Schreer. Uh, wrote his uh, book. Uh, I think it's called like Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. Maybe yeah. Jez Corden can write a book. Oh man, that's too much work. Come I'll on, leave get to joke. get to the true story about what happened between Crackdown <laughs> Three and Scalebound. That's two chapters of the book. Scale, you can do Scalebound and you can do Crackdown Three. I don't know. It seems like it seems like hard work to me, man. Seems like hard work indeed. It does really do? <laughs> does really seem like it? Um. What else? Before I'll we get into the I'll big leave that topic. to the real journalist. I'll stick. I'll stick to leaks. Yeah. So before we get into the big topics, obviously we're going to be talking about uh, Google Stadia. We're going to talk about Epic and Steam. We're going to talk about what Xbox is doing, 
and their strategy versus Google. You know, I, did you read Phil Spencer's email to Team Xbox after the Stadia announcement, Jazz? Yes, Brad yeah. Sam's leaked an internal email. He did really good stuff coming from Brad lately. Um, it basically said it was basically Phil reassuring people at Xbox that they're going to go big on X clouds mm. and and stuff like that. But is that what people want to see at E3 though? Is that do people want I guess we'll we'll save that for later, but the question I'm gonna ask is like, do people really want to see them go big on XCloud at E3? But Well, I suppose it depends. I mean if if all they're doing is revealing how it works or letting people get hands on on it, letting the media say how good it is or how bad it is and stuff like that, maybe that's more what it means. I think E3 is still gonna feel very traditional for um Xbox fans who just want to see games and want to see that Microsoft's making its investments in the right place. But for those of us who are interested in xCloud and how Microsoft's going to compete with Google, because obviously Google isn't going to release their own hardware, at least it sounds like they're not going to release their own hardware. They're going to stick to streaming via the cloud. And honestly, um, reactions to Stadia have been a bit mixed from the press. Like Some people said Mm -hmm. it was pretty good. Other people have said it's too laggy. Like someone on my team who tried it said that it felt like when your TV isn't in game mode and there's like this very sort of like it's playable, but it doesn't feel great. And it just makes you want to play things on your TV instead. So it makes me wonder, like, if if that's just a case of the laws of physics or whether Google just isn't going to be as good as Microsoft, it's going to be interesting to see how they compare. Because Phil has always said that, um, and I paraphrase, Phil has always said that uh, xCloud is going to be console quality. Now, for me, console quality means no input lag or very low levels of input lag. If all I can play on xCloud is turn-based games, that's fine, you know. But it's not going to be the game-changing, industry-changing thing that it's sort of been cracked up to be. Yeah, so let's, let you might, like, since you we brought it up and you're kind of talking about it, let's talk about the Google Stadia thing. The big announcement from this week, I watched a press conference on Tuesday, I did a video about it. It's their vision of basically the future of gaming. It's a streaming-only solution where, what were the use that, what was the, what were the words that Phil Harrison used? Uh, the con- ah, what was it like? The data center is now your console, or yeah, the data center like is now your platform, or something like that, right? Where basically you stream games. They think it's the future. I will admit some interesting technology, like watching a trailer for Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and then a play button shows up right next to it, and you click play, and they say five seconds later you can be playing. I thought that was pretty cool. They had the whole tech demo of the guy going between the mobile phone and the laptop and the, you know, the TV and the computer. Although <laughs> there must have been some insane lag or it was pre-recorded because the dude literally pressed a three times to jump in Assassin's Creed and Cassandra didn't jump. So <laughs> not sure if it was a real demo or if there was some insane lag. But I mean, to me, the whole conference was them selling you an idea now whether that idea comes to fruition as as big as they think it is that's what it was to me they were trying to sell developers on this idea of putting your games 
on their service so they can reach these 2 billion gamers on YouTube and Android phones and all this stuff. But it really lacked any meat. Like, what is the pricing structure? Are you buying games outright? Are you renting games from them? Is there subscription service? I've I've heard talk and chatter that from Ubisoft uh, CEO, I think he recently said something along the lines of, there'll be many different ways to pay outright $60 to buy the game. Or maybe you only buy two hours of time and that's all you have. Like, well, this is the what? thing. It's like there's so many unanswered questions and and there's there's issues of trust as well because we all know about Google's battles with antitrust, you know, lawsuits. We know about their privacy lawsuits. We know that they've cancelled so many products over the years. And also they don't really have the most reliable track record for not canceling things. And, you know, frankly, neither does Microsoft, but, you know, every big tech company has projects they cancel, but Google took on Facebook and lost with Google Plus. That's been, that, they literally announced that Google Plus is being shut down the same week that they announced this whole game streaming thing. And, like, in a lot of the interviews with Phil Harrison, they um, they were basically, like, fielding questions like, can we trust you? Can we trust you? And stuff like that. And I think that's going to be a big question here is like, do people see Google as a company who can sell them a permanent product? Or is Google the kind of company where you get like sort of transient products that you never really truly own? Like you don't own any YouTube videos that you watch on their platform. You don't like, I mean, they do sell books and apps and, you know, movies through Google Play, but how many people really, you know, how many people actually use Google Play as their number one place to buy movies and stuff like that? So there's a lot of trust and I suppose authority questions around Google. Like, can they actually build a service that's reliable and stuff like that? And while some of the convenience stuff is cool, like you say, like being able to watch a YouTube trailer and then instantly try the game out, maybe that'll be great for demos. But I don't know if I want to... I mean, I'm an Android phone user. I don't know if I want to buy games from Google simply on the basis that they are Google. You know, Look, I'll be the first one to admit, game streaming is not going to be my thing. Not my primary way of interacting with video games, right? I want local hardware. I don't want to have to be at the mercy of my internet. Now, I have decent internet. I think I have 100 megs up or 100 megs down, 10 megs up, right? But I, unfortunately, have a data cap with Comcast. I get one terabyte. I play a lot of video games. So, basically, unless I'm willing to pay an extra $50 a month to Comcast to get unlimited because I play a lot of games, and if I were to go to Google, I would be streaming that stuff. That's going to chew up a ton of data. So am I willing to pay for the games and then also pay for my internet connection, uh, pay the extra $50 a month? That's going to be a lot of you know, uh, problem for a lot of people. But like when I was watching the conference, and I know it was GDC, right? I get it. Like they're not going to have those. It was it was basically to sell game developers to make games from the platform. But as a consumer watching it, I have a lot of questions. Like the pricing structure, which we just talked about. Um, what games are you going to have on the service? Like they didn't. Really like there's no sign of Fortnite. There's no sign of Minecraft. You know these big heavy hitting games that. I mean, yeah, Assassin's Creed's great and stuff like that. But 
everyone it's just apex legends fortnite and minecraft and those kind of games that they really need yeah. on the service to sell it to the wide middle you know yeah and i i guess i know gdc is not the place to announce it but like they didn't have a lot of partners so i'm, I'm wondering like man but what, is it what? is it not the place to announce it because i, I, I remember when microsoft probably. unveiled the xbox one they got crucified for not announcing any games. Oh, we ha- I do have a segue about that in just a minute here, but um and then again, like the whole like, oh, it'll stream 4K 60 at, at how what what download speed do you need? And then they're like, oh, oh, 8K 120 for the future 8K. Okay, yeah, like I really believe that. Uh, look, and I'm gonna get into the whole because I was thinking about this and I had an interesting conversation with Zed from the reset error discord. <sighs> All right. So Google streaming thing, right? Is a completely online service. You have to be connected to the internet 24 seven. You're talking about like the ultimate DRM. You're talking about no more game ownership ever because it's all streaming. Yeah. And it really put in perspective for me, because you do see some articles saying, oh, it's the future of gaming, which it very well could be 10 years from now. This could be the way we all consume games. I don't really think so. I really think it'll just be an addition on top of what we already enjoy on PC and console. I think it'll just be addition to it, not just like, oh, this is now the big thing, right? But then I think back to 2013 and how <laughs> how everybody from the media and to gamers Literally everybody were destroying Microsoft for having a 24-hour check-in, which is basically online only, and having a DRM policy that basically turned your physical games into digital games, right? But you would still own them. And here's Google taking that vision and going even one step farther, maybe even 10 steps farther and I don't see the same reaction whatsoever. Like, I don't <laughs> see Polygon and IGN and Eurogamer crucifying Google like they crucified Xbox. And I understand, just like Taser Delight just said in chat, a lot has changed in six years. Yes, I know a lot has changed in six years. The rise of digital, people becoming more accepted of streaming. What has happened with Netflix? What has happened with Spotify? I know the world has changed in six years. And I guess this really just validates that Microsoft's strategy, what, they were just completely way too early for this. They were just completely way too early. But it's just, I'm just pointing it out. And I see I see my bro OBJ in the chat. He's like, talk that shit, Rand. Look, I just remember all this stuff. Microsoft got killed. And it's one of the biggest reasons they lost this generation was because everybody hated them, from the media to the gamers. Now Google's doing something even worse, and I don't really see a lot of pushback. I just see people saying it's the future. It's well, the, the, future. the thing is, it's it's not exactly the same. To to play devil's advocate here, and yeah, everyone knows I hate Google, but to play devil's advocate, Google's not selling you a you know four hundred dollar box or however much it costs in the US. Um, they're just gonna sell you a subscription service. So I think the truth is that people let them get away with it because that's the whole business model. It's not like some half measure fundamental change to the existing console model, which is what Microsoft was pushing, right? Yeah. 
and I guess maybe maybe Microsoft sees Google entering and doing this as like uh, Sam Tolbert says in chat. He says, when the presentation ended, I guarantee you Microsoft breathed a sigh of relief because Google is nowhere near as far along as I thought they were. And they might be the one company that's really more hated than Microsoft. Right, Google? Yeah. yeah. So Google pretty hated. Yeah, they are. So now, because now, now you even have like, I see people talking and posting like memes and it's like Sony fanboys and Xbox fanboys coming together with console hardware, right? <laughs> like everybody's like, we need to, you know, bond together and take down Google. It's like everybody like kind of come together over this whole thing because we know Xbox is doing hardware. Uh, Cream Chowdhury reiterated again that, you know, they're going to be doing hardware for a long time. I predicted or I predict that we got two gens, at least a minimum of two generations before Xbox hardware even potentially goes away. So I think we're good to 2032. Even if streaming <laughs> takes off, I think, and that's an if, yeah, you know. But I mean, what did you what did you think overall of the the whole presentation and like what they're trying to do? Honestly, I didn't watch it. You know, I, oh, you didn't. You never watch anything. Let's <laughs> play Pokemon, man. Come on, but no, no, I I didn't watch it because I was just busy with other things. But um, I read I read our coverage of it, you know, and what my colleagues were saying about it because my my colleagues are at gdc i'm not at gdc so i let them take point on it and you know while they focus on that i can do other things but you know i just i'm more like most gamers you know i sort of like i try to align my thinking with you know the consumer and stuff like that and i can take an approach that most people are going to take is great they can announce all this stuff. They can show it off, and it looks all flashy in a press conference or whatever, or it doesn't, whatever. I just want to know if it works. You know, I'm I'm intrigued to try it because, like I've said on the show last week, that you know I've I've rekindled my love with Nintendo recently because of the portability factor of the Switch and the 3DS, and I can play games where normally I wouldn't be able to play them, like an airport like you know wherever and yeah I, I don't expect that i'll be able to play overwatch on airport wi-fi but maybe i'll be able to play i don't know turn-based games maybe i'll be able to play XCOM. maybe i'll be able to play final fantasy 7 which is coming to xbox soon i'm happy with that i'm happy to play turn-based games on laggy internet and stuff like that but that's the main reason i'm interested in it will it work and i'm just gonna take a back seat and wait and see because a lot of the discussions about whether it will whether it will penetrate into the mainstream and stuff like that ultimately hinge on the fact will it work you know i think the the consumer at large they don't care about things like the morality of google they don't care about i honestly don't think most mainstream people care about ownership you know it's just the core gamers who care about making sure they actually own the stuff they buy I think for most people, they just they take the convenience over it, you know. Yeah, I mean, history has shown people will choose convenience over pretty much everything else. That's why Spotify exists. And that's why Netflix exists. It's just so convenient to just sit down in front of your TV and just click a button and watch something. Although those are cheaper forms of entertainment, right? I mean, Netflix, twelve bucks a month. Spotify, free. Uh, you know, like even if you just want to buy a, a single from iTunes, it's a dollar. Games are really expensive. You know, 60 bucks for a brand new game is a chunk of change. 
that not everybody can afford. So it's a little bit different there. And streaming, I don't know if I'll ever be good with just, oh, well, it's, you got to accept the latency. I'm like, why do I have to? I, I shouldn't have to accept latency. Like like you said, your friend right. playing, and it's <laughs> like, there's latency what? there. It's like, uh, right. it's not, that's not, and look, I'll be the first one to admit, like, I'm I'm not going to get to Google Stadia. I have an Xbox, I have a PlayStation, I have a Switch. Two of those, at least, will be doing next-generation consoles. PS5, Xbox Anaconda, the Xbox Scarlet. I will be getting both of those. So I'm good. Now, that's not to say I won't, I don't know, try it out, buy like a chromecast and stick it into my tv or whatever it is and maybe like all right let's see how this actually works but it would have to be you know what it would have to be for jazz it would have to be for uh google stadia exclusives because that's the other point i wanted to bring up jade raymond she came out there and announced that you know they're building a new first party infrastructure but the question i have is how long is it have they been building exclusive games for a while now are they just beginning now or are they going to be spending money like epic and getting the games to come to the service in the meantime while they try to produce their own games well i've i've heard first of all that google is looking to money hack developers and they are sending out feelers and they're even looking to money hack dlc like destiny did with playstation so don't be surprised if you see like DLC for some of your favorite games become Stadia exclusive. My God, how annoying would that be? Like the DLC for your favorite game is exclusive to a uh, laggy, laggy uh, streaming platform. Can you can you imagine how angry, like angry you'd be? But that, but I suppose that's like areas where Google will, could really screw up. Is if they like, I mean, it's one thing to you know get exclusive DLC for a home based console. Where, you, where there's no real downsides if you already own a PlayStation, you know. But can you imagine if, like, they money hat DLC for a shooter onto a laggy streaming platform? They're going to buy themselves a lot of negative PR. Uh, so. I, I see them money hatting uh, just games in general. And unlike Epic versus Steam, where it's confined to the PC space, they're going to money hat it away from Xbox and PlayStation. Because the only way, I mean, one of the ways they're going to have to is they're going to need exclusive content uh to separate themselves from what microsoft is doing what sony's doing eventually whatever amazon is doing and that's the only way to really do it i mean epic is kind of i wouldn't say proving it right now but they think it's the way to go and i just wanted to address uh uh show shady and zed in the chat they says nobody needs to get stadia and zed, zed says the thing about stadia stadia or stadia i hate that name actually i don't like that name you aren't it's getting it <laughs> And while that's true, because it'll just be there, if I'm going to play it on the TV through Chromecast, they did say I need to get the controller. And to me, that's considered getting it. If I have to buy that ugly-looking controller, ugh, what a piece of garbage that is, then I consider <laughs> that getting Stadia. Because that controller is probably going to be 60 bucks. Because I'm not going to be playing Stadia on the PC. I'm not going to be playing it on mobile phones because... Who wants to play those games on that small of a screen anyways? So I have the big TV there. I'll be playing it on the TV. I need the controller. So to me, that's getting uh, Stadia. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> Show Sadie says, first time I've heard the term money hatting. I've heard it now five times. Well, you must not have been around last gen quite a bit. That stems from a Penny Arcade article. I be- no, actually, that goes back all the way to the OG Xbox era, quite frankly. That was, comes from a Penny Arcade article, uh, comic panel where I think Odyssey, Munch's Odyssey was exclusive to Xbox, and the guy was like, I like money, and he had like a pad of money, and people just referred to uh, that as money hatting, uh, essentially. Uh, I'm sure somebody in chat uh, remembers that era of gaming. Uh, it's quite old. It's a quite old term. So when I say somebody's buying exclusives, I just kind of think of that and I just say they money hatted it. Um, it's also a term that has been used on like NeoGAF and Resetter and stuff. And I've been on those places forever. So see, Raven Rand with the about. etymology history lesson there. I didn't know where that came from, actually. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I've only heard, I've only seen it used in forums. Oh, I know, Shady. I know you've been around, Shady. I'm just saying that's. I don't know. I just, it always kind of stuck in my hand, like my head. But yeah, I think Google's going to spend money and they're going to try to get games exclusive to their platform. Sure. Um, man, oh man, oh man. I Honestly, though, I will say it is coming this year. Did you expect it this year, Jez? Because I am, co- I am quite shocked it is coming this year. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised too. I mean, it's interesting. Like, Google's sort of like, I kind of already feel that Google doesn't really get how video game PR works and stuff like that. Um, I just get, I just get that gut sort of feeling that they're they're going to screw some things up. Like it could, it'd be so funny if it got delayed, you know, and then they're they're basically hurting themselves and and stuff like that. Um, it, but it all depends on like what you say. Do they have the games? Do they have the content and stuff like that? And we talked about how um, how Microsoft can basically flip a switch and put a Xbox game onto xCloud if a developer agrees to it. And they they showed in their GDT, GDC presentation that there is going to be like very basic Xbox touch controls for phones, and developers can make their own touch controls if they want to and stuff like that. And uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see if Google's thought all of that all of those aspects through because. Microsoft seems very keen to emphasize the phone part of it, whereas Google seems to be like, you know, Google has a different uh, a different strategy in some places. They want to push their Chrome devices, their Chromebooks, their Chrome sticks. What are they called now? Chromecast, you said. Um, and, uh, you know, and its own services and stuff like that, whereas Microsoft has to convince uh, other people to use its services on their existing devices and as we've seen from microsoft groove like groove music uh they completely completely failed to make the case for groove music on android like nobody used it so you know they have they have a it's not going to be plain sailing for them either well no but they do seem like they're hitting the ground running where microsoft is really taking the slower approach with xcloud because you're going to have the public trials later this year i don't really expect xcloud to fully launch until 2020 and i don't really even expect it to be a really big thing for for microsoft until about i don't know 2023 2024 It, it, it seems to be a slower process for them and maybe that's just because they understand messaging. They they understand they got destroyed this gen about poor messaging and trying to do things too fast. You need to 
you need to guide people into the next step. You need to be careful with how much you change. So they're, they're, they're being really careful about how they're messaging it. Right. Uh, so th- that's what they're going to do. I mean, they're going to compete with Google in that space. Um, it's going to be interesting though. Like if Google's there first, does, does that necessarily mean they're going to be the best or the one that popularizes it? Or is Microsoft like, Hey, you know what? You can get there first. We'll do it better. And we're going to have content, exclusive content coming. We're going to have the Halo. We're going to have Gears. We're going to have Forza. We bought a whole bunch of studios. They're going to be making games. We're going to combine Game Pass with xCloud, which is already an existing business model. And just, it's up there. You, you can subscribe and you get these games. And yeah. people know what, developers know it works. There's going to be a ton of games in there. They seem to be kind of, uh, I don't know, crossing their eyes, dotting their T's. It's like Phil said in his response to Stadia, which you mentioned before, it's like they have the the strategy, the game plan. They believe in their three pillars of content, community, and what was the third one? Content, community, and... Coconuts. Content, community, and coconuts. I'm blanking on the third. Somebody in uh, chat has to know the three pillars <laughs> that uh, Satya and Phil talk about. It's content, it's community... Cloud. And cloud, there you go. The uh, three C's. I remember when you said Satya because Satya is like synonymous with cloud. Yeah, and so they're gonna do it. And then I don't even know where I was going with it. I just lost my train of thought. What about Sony? Because this is basically Xbox versus Google versus Sony, and soon to be Amazon. And well, I guess you can add Nintendo into the bunch. What is Sony gonna do? With this it's, new competitor that is completely online, that is going to try to sell games and take game sales away from PlayStation, which is their core business. How do they respond? Do they kind of, for lack of a better term, bury their head in the sand, release a PlayStation 5 that is very traditional, hope that streaming doesn't take off while offering a, their own streaming solution with PlayStation now? I mean, they don't have... Uh, the infrastructure that Google, Microsoft, or Amazon has. So what is Sony's play? What are they doing on this one? They're going to make a new PlayStation Vita. Yeah. Oh, that'll solve all their problems. Nah. (laughs) I don't know, man. It's like... I think Sony can... It's like you say, cloud streaming is not going to replace anything in the short term. And I think Sony can continue to exist filling the frankly the niche that it always has and it is a niche because the console console market is just a part of the overall gaming industry and sony is just a part of that part of the gaming industry so i think sony can subsist on doing what they've done for the time being while they build up to either partnering with amazon for content and stuff like that or maybe even partnering with Microsoft if you want to be sacrilegious about it. Because I've heard as well that beyond xCloud, Microsoft might actually be looking to bundle xCloud as a service that other companies can buy. Like if Sony wants to make its own streaming service, they could buy xCloud from Microsoft and make their own version of xCloud. I've heard that is something that Microsoft might be working on, in addition 
to its own exclusive platform because uh for example netflix runs on amazon web services and netflix uses amazon web services video streaming platform however um they compete with amazon directly on amazon prime video so it could be that microsoft makes its own version of xcloud to sell onto competitors and stuff like that that would be um, the ultimate microsoft thing to do it, it, yeah exactly it's that's microsoft's mission is to help others help other companies that's their hot top level mission so you know uh people are annoyed in chat that we're talking about sony in 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 the context of this whole streaming thing but you know it's like why wouldn't you hey you know? me and, like sony was doing streaming first exactly they, like, they, sony, i mean sony clearly interested in this they yeah got they, they, they clearly have a horse in the race they did playstation now first they were the one of the first to do streaming it's not like it's not like it's sacrilegious to say, what is Sony going to do with their streaming model and PlayStation now? They were doing it before anybody. And yeah. now you have Google and Microsoft doing it and Amazon and, and even Walmart. There's reports that Walmart's even going to do it. Like, what is going on? <laughs> so, look, I don't underestimate Sony, right? Like, no, they, it's like I say, I think they can completely subsist doing what they're doing of now. Of course, I, I think they can as well. Like, they have proven time and time again that... For most people, gaming and PlayStation are synonymous. You know, maybe for an older generation, it's Nintendo. But you look at, they came in with the PlayStation 1 dominated. They even dominated more with the PlayStation 2. They had an off-gen with the PlayStation 3, and they still sold 80-some-odd million PlayStations, right? And then this gen, it was just a complete massacre. Uh, What, are they almost at 100 million? Like... And what they're doing clearly works. I expect them to do the same thing for next gen, and I expect them to just have tremendous success. Yeah. But like I said, Google is a new competitor. They're going. Their whole strategy is selling third-party games without the need of a box. Uh, if people do move to that, well, that takes money out of Sony's pocket because that's their whole bread and butter is selling other people's games. And they have a streaming service, so you just have to wonder... Well, what is Sony's play? Are they going to do a traditional console and not worry about streaming? Are they going to do their traditional console and do streaming? I'm just curious to what Sony's doing in general because we don't get a lot of leaks about them. And I trust me, I don't underestimate Sony. They've proven time and time again uh, that they they know what they're doing. You know, so yeah, so, so Sony like they have the best content right now out there, the best exclusive lineup. Bringing that to more devices. Like, why would you be annoyed about that? You know, I think like I think it'd be cool if Sony partnered with Amazon to bring its games to phones and stuff like that. If, if, uh, if that's their prerogative, you know, and you can do that now. You can do that today with PlayStation Now on some devices. And um, you know, I tried it. You know, I I've used PlayStation Now. It's like it's too laggy for like shooters and stuff. But again, it's like you can play casual games on it. You can play XCOM XCOM on it or turn-based games or strategy games that are slow paced. And, you know, even some platformers to some degree, you can probably play on them, you know? So it's not like, like you say, Sony doesn't have a horse in this race. And um, it's just another cool option for people who are Sony customers, you know? Yeah. I I mean, I would, prefer, I would honestly prefer it if Sony just made another PlayStation Vita, you know. Yeah. Because I think I honestly think that thing was really underrated. 
Okay, so Gunstar, he uh, he gave us a super chat and says, really interesting discussion. Love it. Beats Brex- Brexit. Thanks for the support, buddy. Yeah. And DMV fan has a question. He says, why would Sony need to partner with anyone to publish games on PC instead of launching their own storefront to cut out the middleman? I wasn't talking about partnering with somebody on the PC. I was talking about cloud infrastructure. I was talking about uh, that, in like cloud streaming, partnering with somebody to get uh, better coverage. One of the big three, which, like Jess said, that could be Microsoft. They could easily sell them uh, xCloud or Amazon. Like, honestly, I'm not sure Sony needs to partner with anybody. I mean, they they literally could just do traditional PlayStation 5 and be perfectly fine and kill it again. Release a God of War 2 and Horizon Zero Dawn 2 and a Bloodborne 2 and a Spider-Man 2 and just kill it. And who knows? Maybe maybe streaming doesn't take off, Jazz. Maybe people look at that and like, you know what? I, I kind of want to own my games even if it's digital. There's really no benefit to me to streaming this stuff. And streaming doesn't really work. take off. Who knows? Work. It has to work. It has I to think work? If it, if it works, it'll take off. If it doesn't work, <sighs> it won't. So I don't think people care about ownership as much as we do, you know? I mean, I could see it. Ta- look, I could see it taking. I could see people using it. For sure. I'm not saying people aren't going to use it. When I say take off, I mean like that is on par with, you know, selling a physical, like more, like as many people are streaming a game as would say buy the game physical and digital. You know what I mean? Like that's what I mean by take off. We talk about like how, like, man, why would you want to play a game on a tiny little phone? But like people play Fortnite on phones. Just because it's convenient and free, true. If it if the access is there and it's easy, you know, and it's in people's faces every time they open the Google Play Store to download an app, or in people's faces whenever they do a Google search, people will use it, man. Because people are lazy; they don't research things. And ultimately, if it's cheap, you know, it's 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 almost becomes a no brainer. You know, even if it sucks, it's like, oh great, what have I lost? Like ten dollars, big deal. You know, I subscribe to YouTube YouTube Red just. So I can have them just so I can have background audio, you know, because it's like what ten dollars? Who cares? Yeah. Well, Silverburst Gamer says, "Ran Sony just lost P- launch PS Now in Europe. They're expanding. Yes, I know they're expanding PlayStation Now. It does kind of lead credence in the fact that they're going to be doing more with PlayStation Now in the future. The question is, what are they going to be doing? Are we going to be seeing God of War two on PlayStation Now on mobile devices day one as it launched on the PlayStation Five in the future?" Are we seeing that type of scenario happen? Could, mm. okay, look at this scenario right here. Uh, Detroit become human. And well, Cuphead. Cuphead went to Steam, just like me and you said it would, right? Um, yeah. And then 30 minutes later, Detroit became human, went to Steam. I think this is a one-off, personally. If I had to guess, I think it's Sony throwing a bone to one of their second-party developers as like a parting gift being like, here you go, whatever, uh, sell your games on the Epic store, uh, you know, get some money while you're working on stuff for multi-platform. I don't think it's a broader strategy and I don't think you'll see, start seeing other Sony games, uh, come to the PC store. I don't think it's start of an alliance. What do you think about that? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't see this as a Epic game store. I mean, my bad. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see this as like a B 
big change that I don't see this as Sony's doing. I see this as like I mean, first of all, do we actually know the um the actual uh publishing terms that the the Quantic Dream games have? Well, Sony does own Detroit. They own the IP. But I mean, I guess it's possible they somehow Chained. I mean, who knows what happened with the publishing deal, but I mean, they did own the Detroit trademark and the IP as well as Beyond Two Souls. They did own the IP, similar to how like Microsoft owns Quantum Break. So, and I mean, it's not like the first Sony game that they published to end up on PC. Flowers on PC, um, a couple other smaller games. But I don't think anybody really thought that Detroit would come to PC. So is it... I guess my question to you is, is this just a one-off like I think it is? Or are we going to start seeing, hey, here comes Horizon Zero Dawn. You know what? Epic drops a ton of money at Sony and wants to bring their games to their PC storefront. Do you think that's a possibility? Or is this more just like a one-time thing? I think it's definitely possible. You know, I mean... God knows how much money Epic's thrown at these developers, but they just announced like a hundred million dollars for grants and stuff for developers and stuff like that. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and claim that I know for for sure if Sony's partnering with Epic to deliver games on PC, but it would be interesting, right? If um, for example, we start seeing because Microsoft's supporting Steam. And they're putting Master Chief Collection on Steam and probably more games in the future because now they've got the SDK working to um, link up the Microsoft Store and Steam. Like, what if, what if, like, we get some sort of proxy war between Sony and Microsoft competing with Epic Games and Steam? And I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying, I'm just like, well, it doesn't really matter here. because, because you know, you said Steam's exclusive to Microsoft. <laughs> it is. You got roasted for that comment, by the way. I don't know if you saw that. People were uh, <laughs> people were roasting you, even though, and I could tell when you when you said it on the podcast last week. I'm like, you're half joking. I knew you were joking when you were saying it, uh, but you went along with the joke because, like, I had previous, I had like just been like, no, Jeff, because I knew what you were gonna say, and I'm like, don't even go there. And <laughs> you were joking around, and of course, you did, you did forget that it was on Mac, and. um I forgot because it's like on Mac. Linux. It's, it's just like you don't buy a Mac for gaming, you know. So I don't even like think. I don't even think of those as gaming devices. It's like you buy a Mac if you're into that ecosystem, and uh, you know you can game on it, stuff like that. Oh, Vinicus, he 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 says you weren't joking, Jez. You made a mistake, and that was it. No, I know Jez pretty well. He was joking. I could I could hear it in his voice when he was saying it. Jez, tell the people, were you being 100% serious or were you joking around because you knew it would kind of uh, get under my skin? I was, I was being facetious, but I genuinely did forget that it was on Mac and Linux in the moment. I mean, so did I. I mean, I forget a lot of things. I forgot Steam was on Mac and Linux. Yeah. Uh, it's, I don't... It's, easy, it's easy to forget because it's just not synonymous with those platforms. I remember seeing like a really old Mac Mac demo where they were dem- demonstrating a new um, uh, Mac graphics chip and they were saying look diablo 3 at 30 frames per second on the new mac and i was just like really (laughs) and this was like you know it's it's just the whole idea of gaming on mac just cracked me up but everyone forgets about linux 
Yeah, what do you think? What do you think's a bigger possibility? Sony going to Epic Games, dropping their exclusives, or them creating their own launcher on PC if they really wanted to put their games on PC. What if you're Sony? Like, and and just for just for the sake of the argument, like I, like I said it before, I think it's a one-time thing. I think I think the Quantic Dream games are just a bone thrown to developer. I don't think Sony games are coming to the PC. So this is more of a devil's advocate thing. But let's just say they are. So let's say Sony is thinking of putting their games on PC. Would it be better for them to partner with Epic? Or do you think they would build their own launcher on PC and just release their games there? Uh, I mean, if, if there's free cash to be made with Epic, I mean, why not, you know? Depends how much money they're offering. If if the costs of Epic floating the bill for storage and dip- distribution of cloud and maintaining a platform and updates and all that sort of stuff, you know, let Epic pay for that, you know. And uh, competition's a good thing, especially in the PC ecosystem, which has been dominated by Steam for so long, for so long. And yeah, it's annoying having multiple launches on your computer, but who cares at the end of the day? The Raven... to, to be honest, the, the truth is, I don't think this is indicative of any big partnership between. Neither Sony did I, and that's games. exactly what I just said. This is all this is all hypothetical, right? Ravenflow says, if you knew Sony, this wouldn't Sony, you w- this wouldn't be a question. I did say I was playing devil's advocate here, right? I did say I didn't believe it. Some people just kind of, I don't know, they they listen to it and they're like, oh my god, Rand. It's like, did you did you hear what I said right before I posed the question? a devil's advocate i know they're not going to do it it was just an interesting talking point and me and jez both don't believe it anyways moving on cuphead on switch jez uh thoughts on that what do you think uh well we we talked about it before right indeed we talked about this on the podcast a couple weeks not really a surprise about ori possibly coming to switch too which hasn't happened yet but i think it's gonna happen which eventually. ori because i think it's the first one i don't think it's the second one although yeah, so I, it's, I guess it's, it's gonna, gonna be, be both. Divinity edition and then ori 2 later on maybe yes i fully expect ori 1 to be on the switch it's a perfect yeah. game for the switch yeah for sure um i think uh well it's interesting right because microsoft previously in their gdc panel description it said we're announcing an sdk for android ios and switch and now they've that they we reported it, and everyone reported it, and then Microsoft deleted the description from their GDC panel website, and then they went back and said that, oh, actually, it's Android. The SDK is for Android and iOS, and we have no plans for a Nintendo Switch SDK at this time, but we're exploring it starting with Cuphead. So it feels like maybe the announcement was premature and the work to get a full-blown third-party SDK for Nintendo's for Xbox Live games on Nintendo Switch is still work is still ongoing or maybe Nintendo aren't happy to just go heads first into that yet but um i think it's still it's still an interesting cool thing you know i mean getting Xbox Live achievements for playing games on Switch sounds cool to me but at the same time, it's like, do I want to double dip and stuff like that? The real benefits are like the cross-play stuff, right? Like Minecraft cross-play on between Switch and PC and Xbox and phones 
that's great. And if we can get that for Cuphead, which I believe doesn't have online co-op right now, right? It's just yeah. um, local co-op. Just local, right? Yeah. So, like, they did say that one day Cuphead will have online co-op. I believe they said that. Um, so it would be cool to one day be able to play between Switch and Xbox and PC using that SDK. And I suppose that's part of what Microsoft's exploring here because there are obvious benefits there to everyone involved. You know, bigger pool of gamers to play with, less barriers to entry, and then more people playing your game creates this halo effect where more people end up buying your game and stuff like that. And obviously games that have multiplayer, they they market themselves because you get your friends to play them, stuff like that, blah, 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 blah. So I suppose it's it's going to be an interesting experiment, but... I don't. I don't think. Um, I think the GDC comments were misleading into thinking it was going to be some grand partnership because that that's the way it read to me, you know. But I guess like. Well, yeah. So I think I think Nintendo is going to be very careful about what games they pick. I I don't know if they want full blown Xbox Live on the Switch where like anybody can use it, but I do think they would ch- they they will cherry pick certain games and that they approve that could essentially have Xbox Live. Does that make more sense? Yeah, I think so. I mean, like they they need games for the Switch, right? And having a game like Cuphead and Ori, they're, wow. they're no-brainers. This is where me and you disagree because you talked about it earlier uh, before the show, and you said you said <laughs> you said Switch games sell because there ain't any games on Switch, and I say uh, I think that's crazy because tons of games come out on Switch every week. Uh, there's plenty of competition on the Switch. It's you know like I would not be I surprised. Know, no, no, no. I, I what I was talking about was there's no triple A competition. There's no there's no destiny. Soaking up everyone's time. Okay, yeah, fair There's no enough. Call of Duty forcing people to not buy anything. There's like a lot of smaller games, which makes it a more vibrant ecosystem than like console platforms where you stick to one game for a long time. I think there's less competition for time on Switch compared to console. And that's why some of the indie games sell better because there's no ser- there's no big service games on the Switch yet. Except for like a few, like Warframe and stuff like that. That's yeah. the point I was making. Yeah, I mean, you're right. The Switch doesn't have a ton of AAA uh, third party games because it's not powerful to have it. But I mean, the games they do have, they sell incredibly well. Like Cuphead sold, what, 3 million copies so far uh, oh, yeah. across like PC and Xbox? I would yeah. not be surprised in a month after it comes out for Switch, if the Switch version is the highest selling out of the two, out of Xbox and PC. Yeah, for sure. But like, if you look at the, if, if you look at the Switch top 10 store, Final Fantasy IX is one of the top selling games on there right now. Well, it should be. And, Final Fantasy IX is amazing. Yeah, but that came out like 50,000 years ago. Indeed. You, you mean, you're still talking about Pokemons and, and, and World of Warcraft. How long yeah. did World of Warcraft come out? Yeah, but like, I'm weird. I will. Yeah. <laughs> do you think yeah. Final Fantasy Nine would beat Call of Duty on console in, re- in re- you know, or on Switch if it was there? If Call of Duty came out on Switch, I'm not really sure. That's uh, a game. see, I'm people not- are taking me out of context now. Super Smash Bros. sold ten mil because Switch has no games. That's what we're doing now. That's not what I said, man. I was talking about the third party indie games that the third party indie games that are that are selling really well on Switch, and um. 
aren't selling so well on Steam, for example, is because Steam's crammed full of things that are sucking away people's time, whereas Switch isn't. That's all I said. <laughs> so everyone's just taking me out of context I mean, now. Yeah, that is true. Me. I mean, PUBG is the, you know, Sea of Thieves is uh, the PUBG of 2018. <clears throat> <sighs> Which, Sea of Thieves, Jazz, Fishing. Yes. The, yes. So Sea of Thieves is now PUBG of 2019. With so are you going to get back in Sea of Thieves for fishing? Yes, I am, Rand. I so don't you. believe you. I don't hear any excitement in your voice for the fishing that Joe Neat has added to the game after you begging him for it. I don't I don't hear the announcement, the, <laughs> the excitement coming from you right now. I'm I'm sorry. I think it's just fake. I feel I'm triggered by chat right now, but um I the the sea of these fishing stuff, like it's awesome because it looks like it's not just some dumb system that people have uh just slapped in there it looks like pretty involved right it looks kind of like far cry's fishing system where you have to lead the fish around and stuff like that what, what did you think of it because they're also they're also announcing single player quests and stuff like that and a story mode which is one of your criticisms yeah yeah we'll see we'll see i i, I have my doubts about an actual true story mode yeah. uh you know i like see it thieves looks great on my tv but i it's i don't know i i just kind of get bored playing it but I did see that. I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Fishing, unbelievable that they're, they're finally adding that to Sea of Thieves. Um, and and uh, Zed says, I guess this might be your new intro. Uh, this is Jez, the man taken out of context. There you go. You're always <laughs> taken out of context. Yeah, this is a problem with doing a. This is a problem with doing a live unscripted podcast. It, like, it definitely is. If you if you misspeak a word or, or make a joke that doesn't sound jokey enough, people can like extract, cherry pick the clip, and then turn it into a big Twitter drama, and then make podcast about it. Yeah, yeah, make podcast about it. Yes, they it's they like, sure as hell did. But um, the yeah. other big kind of news this week out of GDC was Epic Games throwing money around like candy. Still going after Steam's throat, getting all these games, hoarding them, and making PC gamers cry, like, <laughs> and basically say, "Well, I'm not. Look, I got nothing against PC gamers. I understand the ones who love Steam and their frustrations about having games that they thought were coming to Steam getting pulled and not come because if it was Xbox, I'd be pissed too. Like if." If like if control was available for pre-order and then they're like, oh, by the way, and I pre-ordered it and they're like, that's only on PlayStation, I'd be like, whoa, man, that's it's kind of that's kind of screwed up, you know? So I I'm 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 kind of looking at the this whole PC thing, and I'm just kind of like, wow, the console war has literally come to PC. And <laughs> yeah, there, kind a, of. It, I mean it has. There is a company now that is using their money that the billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars they made from Fortnite. And what they're doing is they're trying to make a Steam competitor. And instead of doing it with their own games or doing it the right way, they're attacking it with you know more favorable um, deals for publishers with the 88-12 split. And they're just straight up giving developer... Well, it's mostly publishers, right? Because... One of the big games that got brought over was The Outer Worlds, a, a game that people were like, 
I can't wait to play this. It's Fallout from the Bakers of Fallout, but not Fall, not Bethesda. Oh my God, save us, save us, Outer Worlds! And then you go to their Reddit today, their subreddit. You see everything with the announcement, and they have turned on Obsidian like that, <laughs> like that. And the, the I'm gonna, go, thing I'm gonna about go look it, at the subreddit now. You've said that because I love Reddit drama. So the worst thing about it. Is Obsidian had nothing to do about it. Supposedly, they only found found out about it a day before it actually happened. Oh that this God. was an this was a decision by the publisher. Take two. You know, same thing with Metro Exodus. It was a decision Oof. by the publisher. But like, I don't think gamers really care about that or want to find out the information. So they just be like, "Well, screw it. I'll wait. I'll wait until it comes to Steam." And the, hey, that's your idea as a consumer. You don't if you can wait, go right ahead, you know. Um, but my god, to see <laughs> to see Epic just swing the, the money around like with barrels full, it's I I thought we'd I'd never see this happen in the PC space. Yeah. And I thought can, we can were can you see this? I'm screen sharing right now. Uh I mean, yeah, I see it. The sellout. Um, you see this this <laughs> this uh this uh meme the sellout mm-hmm. world. Oh yeah, it's, I see it. Yeah, pretty pretty meme, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, loads of it. Like like uh, people. If we just have a quick look at the subreddit here, people promotion of pri- piracy will lead to a ban. I understand that many of you are upset by the recent news, but promoting or even saying you got a pirate game is a violation and will result in a ban. I want to support this game, but I don't want to support the Epic Store. From a console gamer's perspective, this is the fastest 180 I've ever seen a community take. I'm telling you, And then you, there's man. Just, just memes and memes and memes. Everyone disliked that. Minus 500 Karma, Lily hates you, Veronica hates you, blah, 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 Fallout it's, memes and stuff like that. It, this this is a community on fire right now. It is. It is. And it was a game people were like, oh, my God, it's what we wanted. It's anti-Fallout by the Fallout people. Uh, shout out to the Ravenflow for the super chat. He says 330 people in here and only 80 likes. Please hit that like button. Yes, please hit the like button if you're enjoying the podcast. We greatly would appreciate that. And I, tried. I thought I'd never one would see it come to the PC. And it's not just Outer Worlds. It's Control Remedy's next game or newest game that's mm-hmm. launching August 27th. That is now coming to Epic. Do you know uh, what the wor- the worst one is? Which one? It- it's a game called Phoenix Point, right? Oh so yeah, that was uh that was crowdfunded, right? Yeah, exactly. So Phoenix Point was crowdfunded on Fig, promised to come to good old games and Steam, and they crowdfunded it on that basis of it coming to Steam, and now it's not coming now it's not coming to Steam after people after they took people's money. So like people are get trying to get refunds and stuff for the crowdfunding and all that sort of stuff. And it sucks because, like, Phoenix Point is, um, it looks really awesome. It's, like, from the develop- the original developers of XCOM and, you know, like those sort of strategy games. But, you know, it's uh, it's funny, though, Rand, because uh, Epic Games at GDC, they were keen to say that Metro Exodus sold 250% more copies. 2.5. Oh, sorry. Did I it was get like it wrong? 2.5, uh, like 2.5. It's, like, 2.5 times more. 2.5 times more copies than Metro Last Light did on Steam. If you launch line it, even though like I think the Redux version came out a year later, they really didn't give good stats on that, right? 
But yeah, know. supposedly Metro did well. And honestly, I think I think like the casual Steam user doesn't really care. They'll be like, all right, I'll just get up. To a lot of people, I think they just view the Epic Store as just another launcher and it's not a big deal. And I think most games that go there will probably do okay. You know, I, I don't, I, I'm sure like the super hardcore Steam PC guys will, you know, stay firm and not go. But I, I can't imagine like that entire community is just like, we're not going, you know, because they also mentioned Ubisoft renewed their, their deal. You're going to have more Ubisoft games only on the Epic store as well as some of their back catalog. So division two must've sold pretty well for on Epic's game store for Ubisoft to want to, you know, continue their arrangement. Right. Yeah. But this is just so weird to me to see the console war come to PC. I thought we were almost done with this type of stuff. It really seemed like game development had gotten to the point where it was so expensive that you didn't really see third-party exclusives anymore on Xbox and PlayStation. And the only ones you really did see might be smaller indies because they're a small team. Might be, say, like the Japanese developers putting stuff on PlayStation or Switch and not on Xbox because, well, quite frankly, Japanese games don't sell on Xbox, so it's more of a business decision. But for the most part, they have the same games because game development is expensive and they want to sell to as many many people as possible. And then suddenly Epic comes in on the PC side, they're throwing money around like crazy trying to get devs to come over there. And now you have Google entering the market and I can see them throwing tons of money around. And the only way to get really traction on their service is to buy exclusives too, while they're waiting for their own first party. So I could see like next year, Google having like, you know, just as an example, what if like, what if Splinter Cell? We joke about this, but what if Ubisoft's like, you know what? The next Splinter Cell is exclusive to Google Google Stadia. I would, and then you I start having laugh. that battle again. We are laughing at Ron's misfortune. That would be really funny. Sorry. I mean, it, it, I'm just saying it, it, it's something that would could play it? possibly play happen. If it was exclusive. If it was ex- yes, because like I said, I have a PlayStation for the exclusives. And I think the Sony exclusives are great. I have a Switch for the exclusives that I am interested in, which is quite frankly not a lot. Pokemon. I, pl- I play everything on Xbox because that is my preferred platform. And the same would happen with Stadia. It would be a cheaper purchase for sure because all I would have to buy is that disgusting ass controller. But if they had Splinter Cell, yeah, I would. I would have to. Well, actually, Rand, actually. Apparently, you can play Google Stadia with a Xbox adaptive controller, and you can plug an Xbox controller into the Xbox adaptive controller. I did so maybe, see, I did maybe see, you could get around it like that. But I then did it see an interview that if you wanted to use it through, what's the thing you plug into the TV? Is it a Chromecast? Yes. Uh, that if you were going to use it through a Chromecast, that you have you would have to use the Google uh, adapt uh, the Google controller. Ah, okay. So yeah uh but i mean that exclusives they matter you know they sell console chat are saying you can use any controller with with stadia yes okay so on pc and some other places you can they did announce that all usb controllers will work and mouse and keyboard but i did read an interview with phil harrison that said if you're using chromecast uh you can't use an xbox controller uh, you have to use the stadia controller so maybe you can use a, a third-party USB one, but either way, 
you know, you won't be able to use the Xbox controller, which is the one that I want to use. But no, I would get I would get it if they had exclusives worthwhile for playing. I mean, that's why I have a PlayStation and Switch for games that I can't play on my Xbox. And if mm. there was something I really wanted to play on the PC, like really had to play, I have the PC ready right here. So I think exclusives matter. Um, of course they matter. There's this kind of talk that they don't matter. I mean, Microsoft doubled down on getting all these studios to create exclusive content for the Xbox platform. They realize content is king. Sony knows content is king. Google is building their own. They all know exclusives matter. You know, some go about a little bit differently than others. Microsoft is putting some of their games here and there, putting Halo on Steam and all that different stuff, but they all matter at the end game. And I mean, don't even get me started on the whole uh, exclusives or anti-consumer thing. I don't know if we talked about that the other day. Did we talk about that? I don't know. I don't think so. You think you think exclusives? Do you think that? Do you think the fact that God of War is only on PlayStation? Do you think that's anti-consumer? Hell no, because it wouldn't exist if uh, they weren't sort of getting something out of it. Right. I mean, like the idea, like I should be able to walk into Burger King and order a uh, Big Mac. It like. <laughs> I, I see people make this argument all the time, and I'm just like, no. I'm just. I mean, the, the whole the whole point of exclusives is that they've they've invested the money into God of War because it's exclusive. If it was going to be on everything, they wouldn't need to invest so much. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I guess it may be if you're going by the strictest, loosest definition of anti-consumer, where anything that favors a business over the consumers anti-consumer then i guess like the idea of god of war only being on playstation only really benefits sony not the consumer so if you're going for that loose definition then yeah it would be but like the true definition of like anti-consumer has to deal with like improperly favoring businesses over consumers and god of war being on playstation isn't improper kfc selling kfc chickens and not Browns and vice versa isn't improper. That's just, you know, like, so it's like, well, it's not, you know what I mean? So I, I don't know. I, people have asked me to make a video about it and maybe I will. I just, it's just, I don't even know like where I would approach it from. Like, I, no. wrote, I wrote an article today about um, the Epic, the whole Epic games thing, because like, you know, as we can, as we saw from browsing the outer world subreddit, there is like a core of people who are, you know, really angry about this. But as we see from Metro Exodus's sales, there's also a wide middle of people who just don't care. And it's not like the console war where if I if I want that Destiny DLC, you know, I have to buy a PlayStation to get it, which costs like four hundred dollars or however much it is in America. And whereas on PC, all you have to do is install a free launcher and then double click it which it's hard to get too sympathetic towards people who are, you know, don't want to install the Epic Games launcher. I mean, it's not that much of a big deal, you know, and you, people could say things like, oh, but what about my data? Epic Games going to save my data. What about the privacy and stuff? These are, these people probably have Facebook. They probably have Android phones. You know, it's it just, it's just like a fake argument for a lot of people, I think, you know, and... At the end of the day, no no online platform is going to be completely privacy 
perfect anyway. So, you know, unless you're living in a shack in the woods, you ain't private, you know. And and these are legitimate concerns to have about the Epic Game Store. They are legitimate concerns to have. I'm not saying they're not. But at the same time, who cares? It's it's free to download the Epic Game Launcher. You sign up, it takes 30 seconds. You know, I've got Steam, I've got Battle.net installed on my computer right now for World of Warcraft and StarCraft and stuff, you know. And I've got good old games for the few games that I've got installed on there, like the original Fallout games and stuff like that. I don't I mean, care, man. These me, are, these me are and you, more programs. Me and you like, would look at it like that, but I'm not a PC gamer, right? I, I'm not one into that ecosystem. So to me, it's like, yeah, Steam and Epic Games are just a launcher to me because I don't really know much about it. To be quite frank, yeah, I don't, I don't have any friends on Steam, like because I use, I use Discord for my, my gamer, you know, stuff on PC. You know, I don't care about Steam's social platform. I don't care about Steam's modding tools and stuff like that, and and the features that Epic Games doesn't have that people are criticizing them for. Like Steam didn't have those either when it first came out. It, it matured over time. If, if all I want to do is launch and play a game, I'll do it through the Microsoft Store. I'll do it through Steam. I'll do it through Battle.net. I'll do it for Epic Games. I don't care, man. You know, it was funny, though, that the uh, Outer Worlds, though, is still releasing on Windows Store. Of course it is. <laughs> because they, they, Epic doesn't care about the Windows Store. They don't know nobody uses it. <laughs> and I'm sure, I'm sure you know, since Microsoft owns Obsidian now, maybe they work something out. Or maybe just maybe that's just the ultimate, like, uh, you know, troll moment. Like, yeah, we're taking it off Steam, but you can still put it on Windows Store. We don't care because we know <laughs> nobody's buying it there. Hey, I'll buy it on the Windows Store. How about that? I just, I'll, be the, I'll be the only person who does. But. I just kind of feel bad for Obsidian. I feel bad for 4A. They, they, they make these games. Well, and... that, that, that was like, literally, in my article, that's what I was saying is like, because when Coffee Stain and Satisfactory is an Epic Games exclusive, I felt bad for them because they're like small indie company and they're getting all this hate now. But like that was when they announced it. If you go up to Satisfactory's YouTube channel now, most people have gotten over it. And the Satisfactory came out this week. And like when in the announcement trailer on YouTube, they had like 4,000 dislikes and like 100 likes. But now if you look at the Satisfactory, um, launch trailer it's just likes because the people who hated this whole epic games thing they've either gotten over it or they've moved on you know and satisfactory looks like a really great game to be fair yeah um so i just it, it sounds like the pr flack is probably worth it well i get why indie indie developers would do this i totally understand you get the 88 12 split you have epic dumping money in your lap because it's it the steam i mean Indie games need all the help they can get to market it and stand out. Your game could fail, right? So, like, any help that Epic could give, I I don't blame any, like, small developers for taking that deal and going with Epic. But then you look with, like, Obsidian and and Outer Worlds, that that game's published by 2K, Private Division. They're a big publisher, although I guess you could say it's a smaller arm of it, but... And even Ubisoft, it's like, they're a huge publisher, too. It's like, they're not really hurting for money. And the only ones that really hurts are the developers because now you have a community that's enraged and they're breathing down Obsidian developers next and they had nothing to do with this deal. It was all 2K 
and the money's going to go right to 2K. It doesn't even go to Obsidian. It just goes right to the publisher because they're publishing it. Yeah. I, I really do feel bad for them. I really yeah, do. I feel bad for them too. It sucks. And it, it, do you remember when Metro Exodus was announced and one of the 4A Games developers got really upset about it and they said something like, well, if, if everyone boycotts the Metro Exodus, we'll, we won't be able to make any more of them or something like that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, me- I remember when they when they when they said that. But um, hey, your leak from the day, the Xbox Sad Edition. Uh, <laughs> tell us all about it. Oh, the Xbox Sad Edition. It's it's so funny that that's what it's being called now. Like you got the X Bone, and now you've got the X Bone Sad. It's it, it cracks me up. But yeah, so today we leaked the uh, box art for the Xbox. Um, the Xbox all digital console and i don't it doesn't say all digital edition on the box it just says all digital like we saw some package shots of the box and then we recreated them in photoshop to protect the photographs origins because uh it's probably obvious where they came from if someone might recognize it i don't know but in any case it's uh it looks like it's bundled with sea of thieves forza horizon 3 and minecraft it doesn't look like it's bundled with game pass which is what we were expecting it to be and also the design is exactly the same as the xbox one s so it's not going to be a slim xbox or anything like that well i didn't expect it they're not going to change the yeah. manufacturing lines for a and the, like uh, yes and the the long but a lot of people were expecting it to be slimmer because you know as we as we discussed on one podcast like do you remember how how small the ps ps2 got over time yep but um anyway the uh and also we announced the launch date, which is going to be May 7th, global launch, apparently, for all current Xbox markets. But apparently Brad Sam's already wrote about that in his previous article. I didn't know. Now, (laughs) here's my question. Forza Horizon 3, why? Why why put Forza Horizon 3 in there? That doesn't make any sense. I I don't know. Why not put 4 in there? I don't know. I understand Minecraft and Sea of Thieves. Well, for an old digital box, why not include three months of Game Pass? That'd be perfect. Apparently, it comes with a year of Xbox, a uh, month of Xbox Live. Sorry, I mean, don't they all come with some form of Xbox Live? I just, oh yeah, I think they do. You know, for for something that uh, Fax Machine says Horizon Four is on Game Pass. I mean, well, so Sea of Thieves and Minecraft. Minecraft is going to be on on Game Pass next month, and Sea of Thieves has been there since launch. So I don't really think that's the issue. It's just. Horizon 3 is a weird game. It's ah man, I ho- hopefully when the pricing comes out, it's cheaper than the box or cheaper than what it currently is. Um I'm I'm not really sure how this test is going to go over, Jez. You know? I think like I do wonder if this is basically them getting rid of excess stock as they're transitioning to next gen rather than just leave piles of keys for Forza Horizon 3 lying around, maybe they just offloading it into this bundle i mean they just took the xx stock and used it as server blades for xcloud well there's that too i mean (laughs) we don't know how much excess stock they've got but you have to imagine that it's probably quite a bit (laughs) right yeah probably probably quite a bit well uh jez wanted a shorter show today because he uh he didn't sleep very well last night so uh we're gonna start taking questions now so get us a couple questions, and then we will get out of here. But I wanted to thank everybody for dropping in live 
or listening to this later. I really appreciate all the comments and chat and the conversation that was going on. All the support through the super chat means a lot to us here. And if you enjoyed the show, make sure you uh, hit that like button and sub to the channel and follow Jez on Twitter. Uh, So face, he wants to know Jez, has your mind changed about days gone after more previews were shown and what's your medic prediction prediction for days gone? I did see that you pre-ordered the game. I did, yeah. I don't get why Days Gone is getting so much hate. Like everyone, when I tweeted that it's pre-ordered, people were like, "Oh my god, why are you pre-ordering that?" and stuff like stuff like that. And it's it's like, what what? It looks awesome. It looks like a hot. It looks like a triple A state of decay to me right now. Like the zombie swarms and like the awesome graphics and the apparently really long campaign and stuff like that. It sounds awesome. I I don't get why. I don't get the hate. Can you explain to me the hate? I thought it looked quite <clears throat> I thought it looked quite generic, especially compared to their other exclusives. That's I mean, I'm I'm still gonna play it day one. I just any everything I've seen from the game just doesn't really excite me. But it's that's me. I'm who, it's 2019. I've had enough of zombies. I don't care. I don't care, man. Give every game should have zombies. You ever see that Angry Joe skit where you like I think he's reviewing I forget what game and other Joe comes in. He's like, Hey Joe, you want to play a zombie game? And like at first, like Joe's like, yeah, Hey Joe, you want to play a zombie game? Hey Joe, you want to play a zombie game? Hey Joe, you want to play this zombie game? And by the end, he's just like, stop it. I don't want to play more zombie games. You know? So I don't care, man. Give me, I'll play every, every single zombie game that comes out. I love zombie game. Yeah. Um, Dying Light 2, like Steve Keller just said in chat, Dying Light. And then we got Dying Light 2 coming out at some point, probably next year. I'd imagine at this point, but. I'm super hyped for that as well. I love yeah. zombie games, man. I, I don't know if it's... I don't know. I'm a bit strange, maybe. So, Saltiest Gaming wants to know. Now, this is an interesting question. And I'm going to think hard about it. Favorite ice cream flavor? Oh, my God. I know, right? You weren't expecting that. I weren't expecting that, actually. But in my in where I live in Germany, we've got an amazing ice cream like restaurant just for ice cream. And they do like an amazing banana split. So I'm going to say banana split. Banana I know it's not, it's not really a flavor, but it's it's an ice cream dish. But I'm going to say that anyway. My favorite, the one that I've always gotten, the like, I go into like a Baskin Robbins and you look at all the flavors and everything looks good, but then you know deep down what you want. And that's <laughs> uh, mint chocolate chip. Oh, you know? yeah. Green chocolate. with, oh my God, it's good, my good absolute choice. favorite. Good Mint chocolate choice, chip man. is my favorite ice cream. <laughs> mm, making me want ice cream right now, Salty. Same. Uh, Fax Machine wants to know, how long do you think Game Pass will be supported on the Xbox One after the next-gen Xbox is out? I think the whole point of it was for next generation, and they had it out now to get people used to the idea. Like, I think Game Pass is designed to make money Years from now, when the subscription's huge and there's a lot of people in and subscribing to it, which takes years. So they had to start it now, and the whole point is to have it up and running and uh, provable to devs that it works so next-gen they can get more games and have more people subscribe. So I think it'll be supported for years and years and years to come. Yes. Definitely. I think that's the whole point. Um, let's see. Um Mars Bars wants to know, do you think Infinite has the potential to be game of the year? Uh, I'm assuming you mean Halo Infinite. 
when that comes out in 2020? Potential, sure. Well, based on 343's previous history, I guess I would say no. Um, I guess I'll also say what is also coming out in 2020. If Last of Us Part 2 is 2020, then that's a shoe in to win. Um, but I think I, I think there's possible. If they can nail the multiplayer and they can provide a great Master Chief focused, orientated story that's like a spiritual successor, I think, sure, why not? I I mean, there's five candidates, six candidates for game of the year. Uh, Sure, Halo Infinite could be uh, a game of the year contender. I don't see why, why not? Um, Show Shady wants to know doesn't the idea of a thousand person BR matches on Stadia get your blood pumping? You're a BR crackhead after all. Ah, it depends who's who's it made by you know um i can't it's like i just i just crack up at the idea of it being fast enough without input lag to support that Mm -hmm. it's it's funny because people like oh my god like they went up on stage and i thought this was disingenuous as hell but they went up on stage was like oh Stadia is 10 teraflops, so much more powerful than PS4 Pro and Xbox One X. And it's like, yeah, but I ain't going to have that hardware attached to my TV, am I, Phil Harrison? It's going to be bottlenecked by my internet connection, an artifact, an input lag. So it's not it's not really providing me a 10 teraflop experience, is it? Oh, that 10.7 like, teraflops of raw power. Bottlenecked. By my crappy Victorian England copper wire broadband. I love that part when they went in the uh, that announcement where they're like ten point seven teraflops of power more than the combined power of Xbox One X and PS4 Pro. <laughs> <laughs> Even though the other two are hardware your own, and that GPU is in a server X somewhere that you'll never be able to access. You know, like. <laughs> Come on. Um, the Ravenflow, shout out to you for the super chat, brother. He says, will you try Cuphead on the Switch, Rand? Hmm. Interesting. Interesting question. I own Cuphead on the on the Xbox One. I've beaten it. I don't have all the achievements. I think I'm missing like two. Would I play it again on the Switch? I will. I don't see why. Look, I think I've mentioned this before. My Switch is docked at all times. I know someone like Salty would probably, uh, you know, disagree with me. He probably keeps his uh, mobile, um, but since I keep mine docked, I don't see why. Uh, the Xbox controller is better than the Pro controller. I mean, I just, re- I might, I might as well just play it again on the Xbox if I wanted to play it again. So I would say probably not. Probably, I, not. I'm, I think I am going to double dip on it actually. Because like there's a lot of times when, like I mentioned before, where I am traveling and I that's what I love about the switch, you know. So I think I'm gonna double dip on Cuphead. Fair enough. And I know a lot of people will. I mean a lot of people are definitely gonna buy Switch. It's the perfect game for the system. Yeah. Uh Snatcher Hunter wants to know, uh Rand, how will streaming take over physical games in the USA when most cities are hindered by data caps and net neutrality is out of the window? Those are questions that have yet to be answered. I mean, digital hasn't taken over physical yet, and this whole gen has been nothing but digital. I mean, it's made strides. It, it, it might be right around 50%, but it hasn't overtaken it yet. 
And that's why I think most of next generation is going to get people comfortable with the idea of streaming games, which is why I said it's going to be two gens before hardware even goes away. Next gen to get people comfortable with the idea like digital was this gen. The ne- and then the gen after that, even though it might be commonplace, they're still going to have consoles. So you have to worry about the, the generate three generations from now. Um, but yeah, data caps, net neutrality, all that stuff are going to be a major factor, don't you think, Jez? I do, but I'll say this, Rand. I've heard Microsoft has accounted for this. And one of the cool things that Microsoft has, which some of the other companies don't have, is corporate leverage. So, like, they can be like, you know, Comcast cuts a deal on this, you know, on streaming, and we'll give you a really great deal on Office 365 subscriptions and stuff like that, you know. So, like, um, when that, when it comes to Microsoft cutting deals for xCloud, because like Netflix plays Com- Comcast for access for high speed access, right, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Since uh, America hates net neutrality for some reason, um, so I've heard that Microsoft's exploring that avenue of everything. Like they're they're not being complacent with how this stuff's going to pan out. Right, it'll be interesting to see who who makes the mistakes and who doesn't when it comes to it. So DJ wants to know, when will Jez and Rand start getting E3 rumors? Hmm. When when will we, Rand? I don't know. I usually start hearing stuff about the month before. I've got like, I've got a personal policy of not leaking anything E3 related. So you won't be getting anything from me. I don't leak anything E3 related. I will say though. I'll I'll tease. I mean, yeah, sometimes, sometimes I'll throw a prediction out there that I know is true. But I don't, I don't kind of do that. So, I mean, I usually start hearing stuff a month before. So, got a couple months. Jez might know their whole E3 plan right now. You never know. He he may just not tell. Between like between Jez and Cloberl and Brad Sams, we're gonna know. Every- yeah. <laughs> probably know everything. I mean, Brad Sams is literally leaking emails from Phil Spencer to Team Xbox. You I, know, I reckon, I reckon Brad probably knows. I honestly don't know damn thing about e3 that's the truth be told yeah so. uh vinicus wants to know how do you think microsoft will handle physical media media next gen that only anaconda will have wait how will they name the platform on the media box so how do you think microsoft will handle the physical media next gen that only xbox anaconda will have um so what do we think the name's going to be what do you think the name's going to be and how will they handle physical media? I, st- I still think it'll just be like a box that it's same as this, Jen. It'll be a disc that you buy from Amazon or whatever and you have digital and streaming. I don't think that will change. Mm. Um, what do you think they'll name the platform, I guess, or the, the system? I have you no keep, idea. I do don't you think, think they keep... All right. Do you think they keep the Xbox One branding? No. I think they'll ditch the one branding. I think they'll they'll go for a fresh start and stuff like that. Turn a corner. Um, I mean, I could be wrong on that, you know. I mean, they could stick with it, but I don't think so. I think they'll ditch it. Um, uh, physical media, I don't think... I mean, is that question basically, are they going to try and do what they did in 2013 by having a dual licensing model uh, where you, you know, where you don't where the, the disc is a license rather than an actual disc or will they keep things the way they are now? I personally think they'll keep things the way they are now, but 
I don't mm. think they'll make that mistake again. I think like if they want to lock people into digital, they'll do it with Game Pass, and they'll do it with um, X Cloud. But I think they'll they'll keep the I, th- I think they'll keep the disc mod- model the way it is now. Personally, what do you think? I think they'll keep it the same that it's modeled at right now. Um, Sam Tolbert. So this will be the last question, and then we'll get out of here. What are your current expectations for Game of the Year? Save five candidates. So I'm not sure if you mean like five games that I would that I played right now that would be Game of the Year. I really haven't. So like my top five, let's just say, looks like Resident Evil Two remake, Apex Legends, The Division Two. Because uh, I haven't played Metro yet, and I haven't played Devil May Cry Five yet, and I haven't played Sekiro. Um, so those are the games, and definitely not Crackdown, and definitely not Far Cry. Like I would not, but I'm assuming you mean like by the end of the year. See, this year's going to be tough to call. And here's the phone ringing again. So, Jez, why don't you give your top five, and I'll answer. Okay. Well, I think. Uh... I think Ori 2 has a chance, and I also think Gears 5 has a chance if it definitely comes out this year, uh, which it almost certainly will. Um, I think I've got like really high hopes for what they're doing with Gears 5. I think they'll probably look to what they did with Gears 4, and they're gonna, you know, up the ante, new features, more ambitious storytelling, and that sort of thing. I can see that being a pretty good one. And then you've got like. Uh, you've got Resident Evil 2, which is incredible. I don't know if that'll be Game of the Year material, especially since it came out at the start of the year. I always find like games that come out at the start of the year tend to be forgotten in the award when it, when it comes to awards and stuff. So that could be the case, I guess, for uh, Resident Evil. But I don't know. For me personally, probably Pokemon. Yeah, I mean, it depends on what <laughs> launches. I mean, Ori 2 is going to be in there for my personal favorite. Uh, I think it'll actually make Game of the Year at the Game Awards, but it depends on what launches. Cyberpunk comes out this year, it'll be there. I don't think Cyberpunk launches this year. Yeah, but let's think. Like, we don't know what's coming out at the end of the year. Like, We only know what's coming out up until April, so it's hard oh. to really say. I mean... If if last if Last of Us Part Two comes out this year, that's a shoe in. If Death Stranding comes out this year, that's another possible shoe in. With you know how much the gaming media loves Kojima. You look at Sekiro and the reviews it's getting. They love those type of games. I could easily see Sekiro being up there. Uh, what does Nintendo have for the year? Nintendo always is the Pokemon game going to be Pokemon Fire Emblem. Maybe maybe the Star Wars game. I could easily see Apex Legends being like. There's so many possibilities, and we just don't know. Oh, what games are, are you know coming out this year at the if end of the Apex year. Apex really Legends say. keeps up with momentum. I can see reviewers jump into hand that rewards. I mean, they gave PUBG Game of the Year, where it was nominated for Game of the Year in 2017, right? 2017. Yeah. So it's not outside the realm of possibility. Um, it's just, I mean, you could. If everything launches this year, you're going to have Cyberpunk, Last of Us, Death Stranding. Um, yeah, I don't even know what else. Rage, Rage 2. Nah, Rage 2 is not going to... Nah, no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Amazing. I know. Anyways, um, that's the show, guys. 
Uh, we really appreciate everyone being here. Uh, what do you got going on for the rest of the week, Jez? Rest of the week, I'm going drinking tomorrow, so you won't see much of me tomorrow. Well, you might see some drunk tweets or something. Ooh, drunk tweets from Jez. Those are always the best. And as for me, I don't know. I'll probably be dropping more videos. I got some ideas in my head that I want to do. Um, so look out for those. So sub to the channel. If you're new, hit that bell icon. It'll notify you every time we do the podcast or I upload a video. Make sure on your way out, you hit the like button. And uh, we will see you next week for a new show. Later, guys. Take care, everyone.